to the fans, we are on video. Video killed the radio star. I hope it doesn't kill the podcast star. Oh, wave to your fans, Sean. Well, give listen, a, queen, a lot of... Give a queen's wave. Yep, mm. yep, there we go. Listen, a lot of people have faces for radio. Yes. Are we those people? I don't think so. One of us, one of us is that. Of us we, is. Don't, we don't want to say which one. We wow. will let, we will let. The fans decide. I think it's, you know what we should do for what? our next Patreon live stream when we were like, who's the most likely to? We'd be like, who's the most likely to have a face for radio? And let's see what they no, say. No, we are not doing that. Okay, let me recap before we get into the show in case you know what we're talking <laughs> about. On, on the last live stream for Patreon listeners, Darren made up this game, who's most likely to? And then, you know, it would be like, has yeah, a face like for radio. Yeah, like from TikTok or, or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would just say that some of the answers, did I already say this? Some of the answers are shocking and rude. <laughs> and there were some listeners in that call that I might fo- have followed on um, Instagram. And maybe I unfollowed and deleted and reported them after their votes. So, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, I think that those votes were, you know, you demanded a recount. You were mm. very like hanging Chad of the 2000s with Bush Gore, <laughs> very Trump Biden. Yeah. And I was like, okay. it's pretty solid. I'm yeah. Ob- like, I feel good about this. There's no voter fraud here. Like I was for the people and you were very QAnon. And let's just say, I just want to say that you were very QAnon. And I wow. was like, no, I mean, I trust the votes. I mean, the only vote I didn't trust was who could go who would most likely go a week without showering because they chose me and that felt that's true. that felt wrong that felt no, wrong no that's true that was a fraud that was a fraud I that was a fraud i am not that you're not active but it's like i play pickleball in stinky gymnasiums there's no chance i'm going to go in a week without a shower i'll just say that right now you know i never thought about this cuz every time i picture you playing pickleball i think about you playing outside, outside. most of the time i am in the winter i just play indoor cuz it's too cold oh you just uh, yeah, what's sensitive. that you're a little sensitive. A little sensitive to the cold. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm too old. I can't be pulling hamstrings at this age. Um, speaking of Patreon, our new perks are live for you guys. You could be a friend. You could be a best friend. You uh, could be a radish. Uh, you could be a sussy radish if you ch- so choose to be. Uh, yes, you can. Oh, oh, I, well, oh, I was like, what? I didn't you. know exactly what you were doing. Thank you. Um, yes, you can. You can be yes, all of those you things. Can. You can yes, be. You can. And uh, if you're a sussy radish, you are getting the video podcast version every Sunday when we release new episodes. So for those sussy radishes, we say hello. And I addressed this on NMR on this last week. But I want to mention, like, thank you, everyone, for your really sweet messages um, about my cat, Magic. My boyfriend, my husband. That's right. Your husband. My Um, reason for being. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And um, a lot of you have been asking why I didn't show him in the video, which is a good, fair question. Um, that is a fair. That, I, I think I want to know that as well. I submitted that yeah. question. You submitted I, that to and me? And I want to know. It was anonymous. It was like yep. da- Soccer Girl 69. It was, it was Flaren Flarp from <laughs> Flu Flork City wanted to know. <laughs> City. Why? Um, well, listen, the only reason is because I have an idea in mind for a video oh. that I'm going to oh. release on Patreon. I might release it later somewhere else, but um, a video for Patreon that announces magic to our family. Okay, it's um, exclusive to Patreon. That's yeah, what we've decided. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So exclusive to sign up for Patreon at any tier. You'll see a video of, of, of him very soon. I think... I think you guys are going to like it. I think I don't want to give any details away, even to Darren, I think, because I think it's going to be fun. But I'm just going to say that 
Magic is um, a true crime fan himself, and he's going to crack some cases, and you'll be surprised at what kind of uh, revelations Magic and I together, without Darren, come up with. He's so. a sleuth. He's he a, is sleuth. a sleuth. Absolutely. And I and the video that's really I think going to help us take off is when I meet Magic, and I yeah. think it's it's only it's going to be like R rated. So I think it only has to be for our like. Well, I hope it's not like a horror movie. That would be sad. No, sweetie, it's a love story. Is this Don't Fuck with Cats? Is that what's going to happen? No, it's a love story. Okay, that's what I like to hear. It's more like the notebook between him and (laughs) I. The notebook. But anyway. Anyway, guys. Let's get into this week's case, Johnny Boy. Let's do it. We should mention before we start the show that this was submitted, Megan has confirmed this was submitted by a listener, this this particular case, but we don't have a record as to who it was. And she's, and poor Megan, I was texting her earlier and she was like, I know it was from a listener. I just can't find the information. She was like, maybe it was a ghost listener. And I was like, Oh, we, now we have ghosts as fans. Didn't realize that. Yeah. I want to um, see like, if like maybe I have it in my text messages or something. And you'd think we know because this is about Potter I know, and it's obviously Harry, Harry, <laughs> Harry Potter. Potter, right? So I feel like you probably... It might have been me, but I think it might have been a ghost, like Megan said. There may be ghosts listening to the show right now, but nonetheless, Darren, you look through your, your email and see if what you can find. I'm going to get our show it's, started. Oh, Please do, but all the text <gasps> messages I have are usually about y- you going to the Harry Potter store. Oh my God, I love that. And you live close to the Harry Potter store, so you should go. I do, but I love how you so. I love how you so. Uh, you say like in one of these text messages. Okay, sure, sounds good. Don't. Um, I said the Potter store. I will wait until the fans can obviously hear me tear you down about this. <laughs> <laughs> Always looking for a moment to tear me down. Love Desperate that. for a moment. Okay, love that. Ahead. All right, love it. Thank love you it. for love- that. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, anyway, we'll get to this show now. Uh, it's a little shorter of an episode than usual, but let's get into some of those details because they will. They're pretty intense. So in the 1920s, Williamson County, Illinois, was not known in the national headlines. Gang wars, massive underground alcohol trafficking operations, and the Ku Klux Klan, of all things, uh, had presence. And and all of those presences gained the county national attention on numerous occasions, tragically. Mm -hmm. Now, it's weird to me right off the bat, right off the bat here, because we're bringing Ku Klux Klan and... Massive underground alcohol trafficking because it was a time when alcohol trafficking was a pretty big deal in our country, you know. So it's just weird that those things at one point were kind of similar. Yeah. For better or worse, you know. But anyway, amongst all the chaos and crime, one of the most mysterious and brutal family massacres in American history shook the town of Marion, Illinois, and in turn, the nation itself. On Saturday, October 23rd, 1926, After sitting down for a home-cooked meal with his family, 26-year-old Maurice Potter went out with some friends for drinks in the nearby city of Murfreesboro. Um, Maurice Potter and the other Potters we'll get to in this episode, as far as we know, are not related to Harry Potter of Harry Potter fame. Just want to make that clear. That's what we know. That's what we know. These are the facts. We have a crack research team that has been able to confirm that. Correct. But anyway, despite his father requesting he come home early, Maurice returned home at approximately 2 a.m. on October 24th. In the house that night were Maurice's parents, William O. Potter, a respected judge and politician, and his wife, 
Myrtle Spiller Pottle. Now, Myrtle is more of a Harry Potter-esque name. In fact, Darren, Definitely. you may not know this from the books or the movies, but there is a ghost that haunts is the- Isn't she in the bathroom? In the bathroom, bathroom of uh, the please, boys. Please, Yeah, please. her name, you know it. I'm impressed. Her name is Moaning Myrtle. Take that Moaning for what Myrtle, you will. Right. Moaning Myrtle. Yeah. And I do have her Funko Pop somewhere around here. I should find it. Um, also in the house was Maurice's younger sister, Eloise Potter, and his older sister, Lucille Potter White, who is visiting from Florida, along with her two young daughters, Phyllis and Cynthia White. Maurice enters his home quietly as he expected to find his family fast asleep, but instead, what he found was a nightmare. Inside the walls and stairs were splattered with blood, the furniture was disheveled, and bloody footprints stained the floors throughout the home. So wow. it was a, it's a massacre. Pretty, yeah, pretty much a uh, quintessential kind of crime scene here, sadly. And, you know, he was probably drunk because he went out until 2 a.m., underground yeah. drinking, you know. Well, as he wandered about the rooms in terror, of course, Maurice discovered one by one mm. the brutally murdered bodies of his beloved family. I just his can't mom, imagine this. His mother, sisters, and nieces each bludgeoned to death in their own home. William the judge, however, was nowhere to be found. Mm. And Maurice immediately contacted the police. And within the hour, the property was swarming with investigators examining the horrific scene. Now, I kind of wonder, like, back in the 20s. Me too. You know, now it's like, you know, you call the police, but the police are also, like, out on routine traffic stops. They're, you know, monitoring schools. They're kind of everywhere all at once. I kind of wonder what it was like. Were they busy back then? Like, how many <laughs> phone calls were they receiving? I don't think they were stopping anyone on the streets for yeah. speed violations. So I kind right. of wonder, like, are they patrolling <laughs> right. the That's town? A good point. How how quickly could you get there? You were know? they cracking people for jumping turnstiles in the subway, which is a whole thing in New York City? Yeah, right. It's yeah. like I, I just very curious as to like kind of well, what the police scene was then. Yeah, and you know, like I said at the top of the show, they, there was the Ku Klux Klan situation. There were gang wars happening. Sure. You know, so they might have been pretty busy, actually. Well, from what police could piece together from the footprints, bloodstains, and other forensic evidence inside the home, they believe that 16-year-old Eloise was attacked first in mm -hmm. her bedroom, where she sustained multiple blows to her head. Ugh. I wonder if it's also like the amount of dried blood. You know, maybe it was like had dried a little yeah. bit. It uh, was more dry than the other than ones. The so others, that's how they yeah. kind of determined that she was hit first. Or maybe there was shared blood on other things we don't know. Right. Um, from there, the killer entered the bathroom where they caught the eldest daughter, Lucille, by surprise. Ugh. The blood stain suggests that Lucille put up quite a fight against her assailant, but ultimately succumbed when a blow crushed her skull. You can Ugh. always tell defensive wounds on someone. Usually, you know, skin is underneath the fingernails and things like this when you show that you're fighting back. Yeah. Now, mere feet down the hallway, Lucille's two children, four-year-old Phyllis and three-week-old mm. Cynthia, lay asleep in their beds. And by hmm. now... The commotion of these attacks had almost certainly awoken 52-year-old Myrtle. Investigators believe she ran to her granddaughter's room in an attempt to protect them. Unfortunately, this was not successful. Yeah. However, unbeknownst to the killer, 16-year-old Eloise had not died from the initial attack and managed to crawl her way to the bedroom where her mother and nieces were. And imagine oh that, God. too, because if I was... 
I probably couldn't get the fuck out of there. I mean, I, well, yeah. I, I, I don't even know if you have the wherewithal to get the rest of your family. Just escape for your own fucking self-preservation, right? I, I mean, it's fight or flight kind of here. Yeah, and, like, you can, like, maybe assign your own thoughts to, like, how you would handle any situation like this. But, Hard like, unless, know. yeah, like, unless you're in that moment and you're one by one, your family's getting attacked by God only knows who. Like, do you even know that your family's getting attacked? Like, there's so many nuances. And, and we said this in a recent episode. Like, there are just so many nuances to crimes and murder that, like, you try to make sense and you think that they're all going to unfold the exact same way because we're human and we do this and maybe we say that or think that. But right. it's not true. It's like every single scenario is so different than the next. And to imagine, like, the way you're describing, like, we're describing these details, I'm like, I don't know about you, but I imagine it in my head when we're doing these shows. Of and course. like, this one's really hard to get through, even already. I mean, we're only, you know, however especially, long into this episode. Especially being women, especially being like young, young children and mothers. Exactly. And just generations of trauma, three week Ugh. old baby. I mean, Ugh. this is. Well, the bodies of all four were found in the bedroom with clear signs of struggle, suggesting that Myrtle and Eloise did everything they could to stop the attacker from harming the children, unfortunately, before succumbing to their injuries. Yeah, it's just really a heart-wrenching scene that we're creating here. But on the floor of the bedroom, officers found a 20-pound furnace shaker covered in blood. The shaper, excuse me, the shaker perfectly matched the wounds found on the woman's bodies. Now, what is a bodies. furnace shaker? I don't know. Should we Google it? Should we look it up right now? You, I feel like you, it's probably something like, um, what are those like things for fire pits or, you know, fireplaces, like just your regular poker, something along like, uh, yeah. So basically it's kind of like a great shaker. I'm looking this, I, I look okay. this up and it's yeah. like, uh, to me, it kind of looks like a piece of a, tr like a metal little train track. I don't know if you can see it in the yeah. camera there. Uh, well, listen, now, now you got to get Patreon because you can now see what a furnace shaker as is. As opposed to Patreon. Googling it yourself. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of looks like a, yeah. like a metal grate of an oven, like the, yeah. the, the door of an oven with a metal shaker grate is what yeah. it kind of looks like. Listen, I don't know how else to put it. Listen, yeah. folks, Google it or sign up for Patreon if you want to know the extra details here. That's it all definitely we can say. does not look deadly, but certainly if okay. you used as a weapon, right, it's, right. it's like a fire poker to your point. You know, yeah. it doesn't look, you don't really think about it. And then you're like, holy shit, that is yeah. terrible. Okay. Yeah. That's like a lot of things, by the way. Like, it's I don't everything. know. You know, it's everything. That's a good point. It's, it's a pickleball paddle. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Anyway, this horrific scene obviously raised numerous questions, but one of the most important ones at this point is, where is William Potter? Right. Everybody else was unfortunately and disturbingly murdered in this house. Well, during an extensive search of the property, investigators made yet another chilling discovery, the body of the judge lying face down in the backyard's cistern well. Interesting. At a glance, this seemed like an open and shut case, right? Although he was once a successful politician and businessman, William had recently been facing financial difficulties after his coal business and real estate investments fell through, resulting in the loss of most of his wealth. And I hate to say it, but we've seen a couple cases, even recently, even in New York, where like financial strain on families will cause them to kind of like... Oh, of course. Kill the whole family, let alone kill themselves. So I think... Police right now are thinking like he killed his, you know, his yeah. kids and his wife and the and granddaughters or whatever, and then probably killed himself lying face down, 
Sure. However, it may, yeah, they're sure. early enough at this point in the investigation to maybe assume that. Sure. But only four years prior to his death, William had a net worth of approximately $10,000, which is more close to about $170,000 in modern currency. So, right. you know, pretty decent amount, especially if you're like a middle class American at this point. Just prior to his death, however, William had confided in friends that he did not know how he would continue to make a living and was fighting to support his family. And let's take a minute here to just remember, too, the timing here, because, you know, I I don't remember the exact year. Could women vote at this point? Like, it wasn't like there were two income households, you know. It was really a man's place in the sort of nuclear family, for lack of a better term, um, yeah. to sort of provide and if he's lost his wealth and all of his investments that's a that's more than just we'll we'll you know pick us pick ourselves up with our bootstraps and get on with it it's like your life's work is gone yeah and women women did have the right to vote i believe that the 19th amendment was passed i want to say 1919 or 1920 so this was kind of fresh for women to vote but still women in the workforce was not really a respected thing until like women had to go work after world war ii when their men were off and they had to go support their family financially and then only probably in the past 50 years or so have women really taken a hold in the workforce and like surpassed men so that's been not in the geological time of history and not that that long that women have been like more accepted in the workforce than ever before. Yeah. And just to be clear, Darren has surpassed me here on this show. As, uh, in a lot in of whatever ways. ways. Yeah. A lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to these, the, these details here recently, it had become a common occurrence for the judge to break down in tears and even casually wow. mention suicidal ideations in conversations when speaking of his financial struggles so, yeah, I mean, just to add to it, it's just like this is clearly taking more than just a financial it's an eff- toll. It's an emotional toll. It's taking it's clearly affecting him in, yeah. in, in a lot of ways. And I imagine even today, like people have these issues. Oh, all of the time, course. My saying, God. You know, this is huge stress. Yeah. And in these last few weeks leading up to this, William was reported to have lost about 30 pounds just due to stress alone. Oh, my God. Jeez. Yeah. On the morning before the murders, William had met his uh, friend and colleague, Judge D.T. Hartwell, in the lobby of the First National Bank. Judge Hartwell said that William was not in the best of spirits and had made some incredibly disturbing comments regarding his mental state. According to Judge Hartwell, William had confided that he was so unwell that he would go into trance-like states where he did not know what he was doing. This sort of reminds me, have you ever seen Breaking Bad? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, well, you know the premise, though, obviously. The show's been around, yes, whatever. Yes. A teacher becomes uh, selling meth. Uh, he uh, goes off to do something, and one of the first excuses he kind of gives his wife and his family because they find him, you know, naked on the side of the road. He was, like, hooking meth. He went into a fugue state. And so this kind of reminds me of a fugue state. If you Got it. Okay. There you go. For all you Breaking Bad fans, you can connect. Well, he stated that when he finally came to, after one of these trances, he found himself only moments away from hurting his youngest daughter, commenting, quote, wouldn't that be awful? Yeah, that'd be pretty bad. I think objectively, that'd we can, be, yeah. that'd be pretty bad. And I will say this. I mean, you just gave that example. I'm not going to claim I know anything about trances, drug use, or stress-induced trances. And we know the mind is crazy. The mind, mind is, is, you know, it's interesting. Mi- absolutely. Yeah. But 
I can't I comprehend what. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't comprehend being in such a stress-induced trance that you don't know what you're doing. I mean, well, I don't want to be insensitive. I'm not saying it can't happen. No, it's hard to imagine, but these yeah. things do actually happen. I mean, people yeah. black out all the time with certain things that they do. I mean, even if they're horrible things, sometimes that's abuse that you've suffer- suffered as a kid and your mind kind of goes into this protection mode. Right. Sometimes it's bullshit and an excuse, but these things do happen. I mean, there are yeah. sort of fugue states where people do things, you know, it's like taking Ambien at night and they're, you know, sleepwalking. Well, it's kind of like you're in that type of fugue state where you're like, holy shit. You know, if you can black out from alcohol. I was just going to say that I was you just read my mind I mean how many times have we been drunk off our own asses you know right and not remembered you know and you're like oh my god you know and it's just interesting yeah you and I have been in that situation quite a few times you remember that night we went out took the subway oh yeah of course I I mean like when I say I remember it I'm like I'm pretty (laughs) sure we did but I don't that was a fun night we should have more nights like that you and I by the way yeah come back come back to New York okay please Well, the explanation for the massacre (laughs) appeared obvious to officers who concluded almost instantly, of course, that William had been driven mad by financial stress, brutally murdered his family with a furnace shaker before throwing himself headfirst into the cistern and Mm. drowning. Now, despite this being an official record from the police, this explanation was not universally agreed upon by the community. It does seem a little too perfect. I mean, yeah, a little wrapped up in a bow, but these things do happen. Yeah, and just the whole the thing with the well, like that's not adding up to me because I feel like it's really hard. I, again, I don't know the answer to this. I'm just speculating as a human in the world. Like, I feel like it's really hard to kill yourself by drowning that way. You know what I mean? Like, our bodies just naturally want to not drown. I don't know how else to really put that without sounding insensitive, but I don't know. Like maybe he hit his head, it was unconscious, and yeah, he knows we don't know how deep that. the well was. We don't know. Right, but right, right. It does seem a little neat. And mm-hmm. during the autopsy, the coroner noted that there was no fluid mm-hmm. in sound inside William's lungs, indicating it was impossible that he had died from drowning. Yeah. And while the back of William's clothes were covered in blood, not a single drop was found on the front of his body. So probably if he was shot, I mean, there should be something. There would be yeah. it's hard for him to kill himself. On the back. So Undertaker Bert Scobie, which is the second name that John was going to name Magic, Bert Scobie. Bert Scobie. We're going to call him Scobie-Doo. Scobie-Doo. Undertaker Bert Scobie also observed numerous lacerations to the back of William's head, which had been split open to the skull. So that implies he did not do it himself. That would be pretty much. He passed out before he could kind of get there. This would bear a striking similarity to the ones found in the victims found inside the home, remember, with that furnace shaker. The wound, yeah. Now, while it may have been possible that William hit his head on the side of the well as he fell, it would have required instant death for him not to have inhaled at least a little bit of water. Yeah. And the odds of this are kind of statistically like astronomical. I mean, well, that would have just been almost too fucking perfect. And also you have to remember the whole family is murdered in a very similar way inside of the right. house. So like, yeah, the odds of that being a freak accident after everything that happened inside, uh, uh, no. And he would have had to know exactly where to strike himself in order for instant death, which... Uh, I'm not sure anyone would have really... It's not even like you could Google it. Now, Undertaker Scobie later stated, quote, there was no reason for any theory except that of suicide, but I'm sure William didn't drown. That's not a guess. It's a fact, end quote. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, this information challenged everything that the police thought they knew about these murders. How could somebody possibly murder five people in such a gruesome manner and not have significant blood splatter on the right. front of their clothing? Right. How could the judge have drowned without having any fluid in his lungs? And was William Potter a family annihilator like uh, Chris Watts or a victim himself? Today, the case of the Potter family massacre remains officially closed. However, excuse me, officially closed. However, many find it impossible to ignore these questions, and it seems that they will never truly be answered. All that is left are theories as to what happened on that cold October night. Following the murders, the Potter's home became a funeral parlor of all things. Ugh, that would really freak me out. That's I would eerie. not want. Yeah, that's eerie. No, I don't like that. In the 1970s, the building was divided into apartments and rented out before falling into disarray and being torn down in the 1990s, or as I used to call it, the 1990 days. 1990 um, days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, today, an empty plot of land with a depression in the ground where the cistern once stood is all that remains of this brutal, brutal massacre that, uh, you know, destroyed the Potter family. But the mystery surrounding this tragedy will forever haunt the city and the citizens of Marion. Man, I, I can't put my words together here. Now, obviously, we only know so much. I mean, this was so long ago. We're never going to be able to piece together exactly what happened. Yeah. Who knows if the forensic still occurs. But what do you think happened? Because to me, for him not being able to have any... I understand financial ruin, but okay, at the mm -hmm. same time... He still had ten grand, which what's one hundred eighty thousand yeah. dollars? So like, mm -hmm. that money would have gone nowhere if he had killed his whole family. I sort of get kind of killing yourself and then giving that money to your family. You know, you sort of take a life insurance policy out, or you figure out some way where maybe your friend murders you. You know, there's not like surveillance cameras. There's not things kind of going around. Right, there's right. less of a record of stuff. Um, but I also could see it being that. He didn't kill them. Oh, that's where my head is. I, I completely know that they, think he is. We know that they didn't. Uh, um, they know that they didn't. Uh, he, they know he didn't drown. Mm -hmm. But for him not to have any blood, I just think that maybe he was outside of the house and the killer got to him first or got to him last. And mm -hmm. I don't know, threw him I, down the well. I mean, you know? listen, yeah, totally. And, you know, I think for me, my speculation goes to those investments that he lost. Was he, like, in on those real estate investments with a partner and lost a bunch of money? Or was he so desperately, you know, and I'm thinking about the weight loss. You know, these are really yeah. intense that's emotional. intense, 30 pounds to your 30 point. 30 pounds. I mean, that's a lot to lose when you're stressed out, you know. So, I think that he may have found himself in a really odd and peculiar situation with somebody else. Maybe he was borrowing money. Maybe he already borrowed money and didn't pay it back. And you know? to your point about the in the beginning, because now we're kind of speculating here. Yeah. We talked about the KKK. We talked about it being prohibition. Right. This is wars. when crime and gang and mobsters kind of right. started. This is how they made their business. Perhaps yep. he went into a bad deal, deal yeah. with one of these guys because like, yes, you might be worried about your family, 30 pounds, losing that, then killing your whole family just yeah. doesn't seem like the care that you have for your family is there. I mean, like he could have right. gotten mixed up into something right. uh, and, and, and paid the price for it. And then who knows? And also, let's be frank, the KKK and the mobs are all caught into the police, too. 
So they could have paid off the police and, you know, the coroner to say like, oh, yeah, he definitely did it. To get the blood off of them and call it a day. Like these were very precarious crime fueled times. And we may we may never know. But like, I don't know. Prohibition era. This just. Yeah. Feels like it was, you know, um, malfeasance. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, you know, another thing that's coming to mind is, you know, did he was he being robbed of some kind, you know, and was like, take me to your house and give me everything you have or I'm going to kill your family. And then he does, you know, anything could really be possible. We are just speculating, but but no blood on the front of his shirt. I mean, that's a big deal. That's a big big deal. I mean, he would have had to change. And why would yeah. he have? If he's killing himself anyway, why would he have changed his clothes to make this a mystery for the Def- rest of his life? Like exactly. that doesn't make any sense. Like, no. and I'm not saying that when you're in a state of depression or you're thinking about suicide and you're learning 30 pounds from stress, you're in the necessarily the right mind to be like, well, that doesn't really make sense. But you're but for desperate. Him to have no, but you're desperate, yeah. and you're not going to care what happens after. So to say that yeah. he did this, I think, is a misdirect from something else. That's I complete- my opinion sorry i completely agree no you're and you made all those great points and you know i just think one of the other things the last thing i'll say before we wrap up the episode is that this episode also rings true of so many other patterns of episodes that we've done you know right this is the weird thing about doing a true crime podcast you guys is like this is now our 104th episode just of this podcast not to mention, you know, the fact that I do this full time as my job and Darren's doing it a lot, of course, elsewhere as well. And you you start to pick up on this stuff. You start to realize the patterns and the behaviors and the and fact the that corru- the, and the corruption and the corruption Sorry. of the police yep. departments and how they play along with certain things. And especially, as Darren said, in the 20s, when there wasn't the same type of accountability that there is now. There wasn't a digital trail. There weren't cameras in everyone's pockets. You know, it was a lot easier to get away with that stuff. And this just reeks of him owing a debt or something and not being able to to fulfill it. And the ramifications of that were, unfortunately, his entire family being murdered. So Yeah, I mean, I could totally see him thinking he's going to get quick cash and something. Right, yeah. Yeah, you totally. know, and it falls through and he just ends up with the wrong people. I mean, not that that's beyond a reasonable doubt or anything like that. Yeah, but no, it, true. It, it doesn't seem likely that he killed himself just given the fact that there's nothing on the front. That just seems I'm with you. too fucking crazy. But uh, yeah, thank <laughs> you to whoever. That's the name of this episode, Too Fucking th- Crazy. Too Fucking Crazy. Let us know if you submitted it because we'd like to give you a proper shout out. And, you know, yes, thank you to for you guys <laughs> to keep submitting. Certainly on Patreon, we are going to be taking and reading those first, those case submissions. Yeah. So we want to make sure that you guys are always submitting things that you want us to talk to about, even if it's current, even if it happens to be short. We could definitely theorize on a lot of stuff. I think yeah. sometimes that's sometimes the most fun. Yeah, we uh, do Getting like that. you guys in the conversation. So obviously let us know what you guys think for sure. Absolutely. Uh, hit us up at J Thrasher Carpe Darren on social media. Direct message us on Patreon in our inbox. We are responding to all messages. And Please. in fact, Darren, um, we had some Patreon responses and, and for our listener shout out section this week from people who watched our video podcast last week, which was yeah. episode 104 uh, is a video podcast available now for Sussy Radishes and our Patreon. Um, why don't you take our first uh, shout out this week? Yeah, Marty watched our video podcast of episode 104 on Patreon and said, quote, I loved watching this. So nice to see you both. And I agree. Let's see the pets. (laughs) Now, unfortunately, Marty, I don't have any. Um, 
That's I have a weird, girlfriend. by the way. Yeah, it's, girlfriend. It's so weird. And I, I just, just realized that. I don't think I realized it. Yeah, you Because need to I'm get an animal pet. lover. Yeah. And I like all all of these are God's children. All of them are my children. That's how I like to think about it. <laughs> like and our listeners. Yeah. Like our listeners, but magic. Like I'm married to magic. So technically, John is going to have to start bringing the heat. Darren just. <laughs> You just remind like cats and eat what yeah. Darren just informed me before we started the show that she is in fact married to my cat, which it's a small ceremony, small, a small ceremony. ceremony. It's fine. Few... He's a tuxedo cat. So he's ready to get married at any point. Few close personal friends. John didn't make the list. Yeah, didn't Next, make the list. He will eventually, but mm. you know, when we renew our vows, well, I yeah. get, we'll see yeah. how this plays out. He's my cat. I want to yeah, marry yeah. him. Um, anyway, also Paula watched the episode as well and agreed saying, quote, enjoying, uh, enjoyed watching the podcast. Y'all are truly lovely, but when do we get to see magic? Thank you, Paula. He's obviously doing this deliberately to prevent me and him (laughs) from falling in love more. I think John has never liked me. I think this is John's long-term plot from way back in like 2015, like currently days. He was like in eight years from now, I'm going to get a cat. And I'm going to make sure I hold it over Darren's head. Because frankly, that's what it seems like to me. That's the most logical conclusion from all of this, Mm -hmm. I think. I think we're all making the same judgment. Yeah. Isn't it weird we've known each other for eight years? But like that doesn't even feel like that long. Longer. Has it been longer? Yeah. We started the podcast in like 2015, which was eight years. But before that, we were still friends. Like we just, you know, we met on the carpet. Okay, that's making sense. Like for 10 years, we've been friends, I want to say. Has it been 10? I remember the first time I ever saw you before you knew who I was. Oh. We, I was sta- here, I'm going to tell this quick story as we wrap up this episode. I was in the, we were in 30 Rock. We both worked there. I was in the cafeteria, not the cafeteria, but you know the little coffee shop on 9? Yeah. The little coffee area. I was standing there with our friend Brannon, who I yeah, won't give out his last name, Brannon. Mm-hmm. And we were talking and you walked by and he said, oh, hey, Darren. and you had long hair. I don't know if you guys remember Darren had down to almost your butt length hair. Yep. Yep. And yep. you were like, hey, duh, duh, duh. and I was like, who is that? And he was like, oh, that was my friend Darren. I was like, hmm, I don't know. I like her. I don't know why. Uh, he was like, yeah, she's nice. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Who would have thought all these years later we would be here today? But anyway. I know. And now I got short hair. So it's like, obviously, you're doing this deliberately. You want to keep me from magic. It's <laughs> oh obvious. Oh, my God. That's a logical conclusion from this. Oh, my God. Calm down. You'll get to see. Ma- You've got to come here to visit Magic. I'm not I bringing know. him in a crate all but the you way know, to New York. But you know what's going to happen is, like, literally, like, I will not see you. Him. Yeah, oh. either I'll seal him <laughs> or I'm just, like, not going to see you. Because you'll be I'll in, like, be like, spare room cuddling with him the whole time? Correct. Correct. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's a risk you're willing to take. That That is a risk. Uh, to, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I will be doing a magic reveal on Patreon if you're interested. Magic. That'll be sometime this week. Magic. As if by magic he appeared. Anyways, you can get in on the fun happening on Patreon too. You know, if you haven't joined us, you can join us for as little as $5 a month and help support the show and keep it running. And you can get it even cheaper than that. If you sign up annually, you can be a friend, a best friend, a radish or a sussy radish. Now we've just revamped our Patreon perks. We would really, really appreciate it. If you guys listening would subscribe, it literally pays our bills and it means a lot to us. And we have a lot of fun doing this stuff. So yeah, we really do. Your patronage helps keeps the lights on, keeps the show running, keeps magic fed. So thank you. No matter how much you've contributed. (laughs) That's true. Actually, honestly, all links, Links for Patreon can be found in our show notes 
or at patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed. That is all one word. And I will say I am now going to start having vet bills. So you will be contributing to the health and benefit of magic in some small way. I just want you guys to know that. So. Oh, he's magic. Um, he is magic. We will finally say thank you to Megan for this because she did do this episode, although Megan didn't know who sent it in. So I think we need to have a little bit of a uh, Come you know, to Jesus. performance re- review with Megan. About we'll this. have security handle her, and security yeah. right now is magic. So we'll it's have magic. magic. Have a, we'll have magic. Give I'll send magic to. to Megan's house, absolutely. Yeah, but yeah, nonetheless, yeah. let's give Megan her due. One, two, three. Thanks, Thanks Megan. Megan. You guys are the you. best. We love magic. We love all of you out there. And uh, thanks, and guys, so much for listening. Happy Super Bowl. That's Whatever right. Super Bowl for. weekend. Happy Super Bowl. Hope you guys have a great time. And uh, we'll see you back next week for another episode of Shaking Bye.